Okay, so um, another episode of Thanos Note, and today I have first my friend, um, and secondly a very well-respected professional, Beater Dresden. Beater has got over 25 years' experience in business and real estate. She has worked with some of the largest organizations in the world, such as the European Investment Bank, the European Commission and the UK's largest developer, Barrett Holmes. She's also a US Family Office Ambassador with experience across large companies, um, such as New One Capital, um, completing transactions over $25 million at Barrett Homes. She's also an investor and property developer with BD Homes. She was also a broadcast journalist <laughs> and a published author of the Polish English Bilingual Visual Dictionary. Beata helps project owners secure project finances directly from private debt capital with no intermediaries, daisy chains, and associated distractions. Some of her projects range from $250 million to over $5 billion with no upper caps across real estate, hospitality, infrastructure, energy mining, agriculture, and more, including technology, of course. Now, Beata, welcome. Thank you so much, Eladi, for this introduction. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you very much for the invite. And it's fantastic to have this opportunity to catch up with you. <laughs> yes, it is. Yes, it is. I know it took a little bit of organizing, but, you know, I'm super, super, super excited That's that we finally got to doing it. It's all right. Not to worry. That's awesome. So I'm going to jump right to it as we were talking about earlier. Your investment thesis is a lot more unique than most, given the very large transactions that you specialize in. And many of those transactions, I call it the unseen hand, because those are very, very sophisticated, complex um, type of deals. And we were sharing personal experiences earlier. You know, do you believe that most projects, most large cap projects, specifically infrastructure or otherwise, don't have don't have a common non non-financial trait. So when I say non-financial, what I mean is beyond the dollars and cents, right? Is there conviction? You know, qui bono, who benefits? What's the long-term sustainability? And does that take into account current and future market conditions? I think it depends on the project and it depends on the project owners. I mean, the, some of the projects that we work with, well, we basically connect project owners uh, for large projects directly with the private debt lender. So the, they are mostly looking at the projects from 250 million up to five billion or, or more. Um, so just the numbers themselves, and um, and it depends on uh, the industry in which the project is. But um, if I look back at the last year, uh, and the truth is that very few actually get through this rigorous um, due diligence of the lender, and um, very few meet the lender's lending criteria. Um, I would say that uh, looking at the projects, uh, um, it really varies because some of the uh, projects uh, and project owners are experienced. So that means that they've got um, 
some higher goal. Uh, and some are purely based on the business and they are purely based on the numbers and, and making it work uh, and the bottom line. Um, and with the lender, it really does not matter that much because, you know, at the end of the day, well, they will look at the project as the private capital. They will look at the project. They will want to determine first things first, whether the project has got the collateral or otherwise what we know as a down payment. It's a, on a similar basis to when you get your mortgage. Um, and then they will look and dig deeper into, you know, whether the project is actually going to be deliverable or not. Um, but some of the projects, um, like we spoke before, the, the projects that, you know, I call them kind of, you know, the projects are not, not so much the passion projects, but the projects that are close to my heart. Uh, and these projects sometimes struggle, just like I gave you the example, there was this um, uh, project uh, which um, aims to uh, put to the market and manufacture the cars, the vehicles for disabled uh, persons. And like I said to you, from my personal perspective, that is just so hugely important. Because I grew up in clinics. When I was six, I was diagnosed with scoliosis. So, you know, that my youth was just from clinic to clinic to clinic. Um, and like I said before, you know, I still have this vivid image of this little girl um, running. So I was six, maybe seven, and then she was running towards me and laughing and, and you know, basically a joy of life. And then I realized that, you know, that she basically didn't have any hands and she didn't have any legs. And so she was maybe two, but still so full of life. So when I look at, at a project like this, this is so hugely important to me uh, that, you know, that I'm just, I'm just going to push and push and push. And uh, um, with the capital, they will look at numbers. That's, that's just what it is. And um, the scrutiny uh, criteria um, and so, you know, at some point, you know, though I had a conversation because the project didn't have any collateral. Hopefully, uh, they will get uh, uh, an, an investor who will be able to bring in the equity. Uh, but uh, with the um, uh, a lender, it was just like, you, you, you know, they, you must really love those guys because, you know, you keep pushing for them, fighting for them. And it's just, I said, well, it is because that is where there's the human face of the project where this particular project will serve many because I've seen uh, those 40 years ago, you know, how a human being can struggle with everyday activities. And that's just, you know, we oftentimes we don't realize um, how blessed we are there. You have two hands, you have you have two legs, you can go and everywhere. You know, you can walk there, you can cook your meal, you can just, you know, um, you can do these things for yourselves. But just imagine that little girl, you know, how does she answer the phone? So, you know, that brings me to, uh, another aspect that you mentioned before we went we went live was just like um, you know with the um, artificial intelligence you know these things the command and you can just you know one of the things that I really dreamt of when I was uh, um, a little girl because I really loved science fiction so for me it was just like I was I had this dream uh, that one day we will be able to have a video phone and then boom. <laughs> I mean, literally, I've you know, when I was reading all those fantastic adventures, 
I thought, you know, it would be so great to have this video phone. And now we have WhatsApp and all other medias and, you know, this call itself, right? Uh, which is great because you can connect with people in such a way. So when I think about, you know, the projects like the cars for the disabled uh, people, fantastic. And like, you know, the artificial intelligence that is changing the way, you know, uh, Alexa, do this, do that. And, you know, you have so much help if you're in that position where you actually need help because you cannot do things yourself. I don't know. What, what do you reckon? You know, that's that's a fascinating um, um, analysis because what first things first, dreams do come true. So mm. <laughs> what you dreamt about on the video phone, here we are. Every <laughs> phone today is a video phone, 99% yeah. of phones at least. And on the other hand, you know, when you talked about the young girl with no arms running joyfully, you know, it, my question, I mean, I'm going to share with you my thoughts first, but I'm going to lead back to a question, which is, you don't miss what you never had. Mm. Because if she didn't have hands, yes, she was running joyfully, perhaps yeah. that's her reality, right? She mm -hmm. never had it. So she naturally adapted. She's not having it so she can live her life even though those of us that have our hands and legs can't imagine life without them mm -hmm. but she's living life without them so she never had those things so she doesn't miss them and she's created her life around that the same way you know humans we speak different languages and even if we speak different language, I mean, I've been to, I've lived in eight countries, been to over 46. And one thing across from India to Lima, Uruguay, Germany, we find ways to communicate. Mm -hmm. You know, so I'm looking at that going, going back to our earlier conversation, the home is the basis of everything. So we look at personal experiences around how we relate to each other and how naturally humans want to help each other. That's the one thing that I believe mm -hmm. is always missing. Even if an investor, whether it's me looking at a project to invest in or vice versa, even if the answer is a no, it's not because there's hatred. The economics just don't make sense based mm -hmm. on the information provided at the time. People genuinely mean well, but all of our, I mean, our thesis are different. You know, you invest based on your experiences, your interests, your capabilities, your expertise, among other things. Mm -hmm. And you've done this long enough <laughs> to understand this is my thesis. This is where I am going to specialize and focus in. Another investor who might be from, say, San Mateo, California, may just like doing early stage investments and they cut checks less than $20 million. Absolutely. It's got to meet certain criteria and they don't do anything past Series A, for example. A capital project, for example, an investor might be, I'll say, land developer. You know, and I've done a few of those where we'll buy, you know, five, 600 acres and mm -hmm. we'd level it, chop it up, you know, put wells, <laughs> fence it. And we turn it on, you know, and turn it over to the next, you know, you know, a development company that they might want to put buildings, 
company, whatever it is, you know, you don't play in that domain. So you stay in your lane. So everyone's thesis is very, very different. And that comes from experiences. My very first transaction as a human being, I think I was eight or nine years old, I had three bicycles. Mm -hmm. And two kids down the street, this was, so it was Ellensgrat off Prinzengrat in the Yodan district. And I had three, I, no, it was yeah, three bicycles, a BMX, a chopper, and I can't remember the third one. And there were this, there was a, there were a bunch of kids, two of them didn't have any bikes. They would borrow my bikes all the time. Half the time, my bikes weren't their homes. And one of the kids went, hey, can you just sell me your bike? And I go, yeah, give me 100 guilders. And he said, okay. I was shocked. Someone would pay me money for one of my three bikes, the one I liked the least. <laughs> that was the moment I understood commerce. Mm -hmm. I have something of value that someone is willing to pay for. And that was the okay. beginning of my journey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I'm so glad that you mentioned it because um, it's it's a little bit like uh, uh, things that are important to me um, uh, may not be important to another person. So that changes that that changes completely the perspective. Someone else is going to look at the same thing. So your bike that was just you know okay, I, I, I don't like it that much, but that was the treasure to somebody else, and that's the beauty of it, isn't it? Exactly. Yeah. So that value. Yeah, that very obvious. It wasn't obvious to me that he had wanted it all along, <laughs> you know. Oh. And now he bought. Yeah, he would borrow it, and I'll have him just keep it at your house, and just bring it back every Friday. Because when my mom came back home, uh -huh. if your bike was missing, he had a lot of explaining to do. <laughs> <laughs> so, so he bought the bike. So I ended up, funny enough, I ended up selling the second bike to another one of the kids and then kept the bike that I liked, which was my BMX. And the two I didn't like, I sold off to people who liked it more than I. So mm -hmm. value, 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 which leads me to my next question, which is, do you believe that a lot of companies and startups focus on the wrong things? So for example, a lot of companies startups in this case they focus on the product product pro they build the solution to a problem mm -hmm. that doesn't exist mm -hmm. yeah I and think then they go try to raise money <laughs> yes i mean um yeah well the, to, to 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 be to be honest that i've, I've seen a, a project like this i've seen a proposal like this and it's just uh i cannot disclose any details obviously but um um, when uh, I got this inquiry, I just look at that and it's just within the arena of social media and the com uh, combining it with the uh, e-commerce. So, you know, the companies like uh, uh, Amazon, for example. So, you know, just putting all those things and, uh, um, and um, I mean, I looked at it and did not have the substance actually to justify. Uh, there was not the new angle to it. It was just like, um, uh, and the ask was really, really large sum of money, uh, well above one billion. And then there was no justification and there was no um, substantiation in terms of, you know, this is what it's going to do for the people. This is what it's, how it's going to change it. This is what we've done. 
that's the feedback we got from the people from the market that yes they want it um and that is i think it's just like kind of like doing things from the completely uh, wrong side it's um it's exactly it's exactly what you said it's just like you know starting at the wrong place and and i think when you look at the uh companies that are around uh, and are thriving uh, uh and just um uh, some of those companies is uh, it's just like you know clients on demand uh, for example these um people that are, tra- are trained with them so you know what what they have done they just basically ask the market what is it that you want mm-hmm. uh, and they identified the gap what is needed that needs to be filled in um, and with the uh, demand, they created the product to fill in this demand, you know, to fi- fit in um, within this gap and just, yeah. you know, basically contribute to it. And this allows a project to progress really quickly. If you don't have this, you will always struggle because you're trying to, it's a little bit like when you think about YouTube and YouTube algorithm, it's a little bit like, you know, I want to show this to people, this. Yeah. And so you keep posting, 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 and you've got very little response. And then, you know, when you actually study the algorithm, any algorithm, it's just, um, it's not designed for you to promote what you want. It's designed to find for people what they want. So in a sense, when I recall my PhD, um, uh, uh, working on my PhD, it was just, you know, hammered again and again and again, give them what they want. Um, tell them what you're going to give them, you know, tell them what you are giving them and then tell them what you've just given to them. But, you know, you have to give them what they want in the form they want. And that's the same. It's just a little bit like, you know, the algorithms are just based on the uh, common uh, human uh, perception of things. It's just like when you when you go to the store and you see something and it's oh that's nice, but you know that's but you've got your shopping list, yeah? yeah. You will just this is your algorithm. You're just gonna go with your shopping list. You're not gonna go oh that yeah yeah that's great yeah okay. But um I really want to go and do my shopping list yeah? yeah. So it's a little bit like this, uh, and I think um, f- from the pure common sense perspective, when you uh, uh, fill in the gap in the market when you fill in respond to the demand you're actually contributing to the common good to the bigger uh, you know in a, in a bigger way when you're trying to when you develop something you think it's going to be great it, you know I, I, who am I to say that it's not going to be great maybe it's going to be a hit maybe that's exactly what the market needs but um, uh Every training, every business training that I've done and, and every um, um, big names within the arena uh, of the business will tell you the same thing that you really need to respond to what market wants. So yeah. with the startups, I, have, uh, I haven't had much um, opportunity to work with the startups because that's not what the lender specializes in. They are really more looking at um, at a bigger project. So, you know, there may be a startup uh, occasionally that they might uh, be interested if one of the board members has interest in this particular arena. But, you know, um, with their um, minimum level of 250 million, they are looking at the bigger things usually. So, you know, uh, something that is already advanced or it can be just... Maturity. Uh, 
yeah, done completely from scratch, like building a, um, a housing estate, but um, but but still, it, it, it's a different kettle of fish, like you said, um, uh, kettle of tea. So uh, really, I, th I think it depends on um, uh, heavily, and, and that's how we humans uh, operate on our, it's kind of, the, it's, it's probably the neuroscience that you're just going to go for the things that you need primarily. Uh, and then, like, for me personally, it's like, you know, this is my must have, this is, this would be nice have, that, that is great because I, I live a simple life that's that's my preference I do like it this way um, and and so you know I think that kind of if you were if you were to look at the projects um, um, that, that would be probably the same thing if you just try to push something because you think it's going to be great and you, you think then it will probably be an uphill struggle because um, most equity investors and most uh, uh, VC investors um, um, uh, most likely are going to be looking at, okay, uh, if I am to give you the capital, uh, what is going to be my return? And, you know, how quickly can we get that money back? Uh, and how quickly can you uh, make it happen? So they will be looking at this thing, you know, have you done are you filling in the gap? Is do you have the the the, the market uh, fit in product market fit? Is it something yeah. that is going to and and how soon, how fast can you develop it? And these days, it's just really about you know going to the market very quickly because with all the technology that is surrounding us, it's kind of yeah. unavoidable. But yeah, it is. That's 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 very interesting. Which leads me to my next subject. You know, which is, do you think? geopolitical considerations factor into these capital projects. So, for example, we know that investors like to put their money where there is a semblance, however imperfect, of the rule of law. Mm -hmm. So if I'm saying, okay, Beata, I've got a $1.5 billion project, but it's in Venezuela versus a $1.5 billion project in, not say... Not going to In the shortest way, that's... Uh, I mean, um, uh, I have um, uh, worked... I've had the pleasure of working with a few uh, private debt lenders, and these are really large companies. The lender that I mostly... Uh, well, then we mostly service now, they serve... Um, they um, deployed $100 billion uh, US dollars last year, they want to double this year. Um, and each of those lenders, uh, this particular lender is very, very flexible in terms of, you know, um, uh, in terms of the location, in terms of the, but they will be looking at the political situation uh, and they will be looking at the economic situation. So they've got very strict criteria. But the other of the lenders, and this particular lender has been in, um, uh, around, I think they, they've been around for 40 years. So it's a, it's a massive, big, big company. And they have a list of uh, locations where they are going to invest, including in Europe. So it's not going to be the whole Europe. Um, uh, and um, so if you have, if you had a project, um, uh, I don't know, 
uh, the Netherlands, that probably is not going to be of interest to them, and the minimum is going to be 100 million uh, of the project value, plus uh, the projects need to have the appropriate uh, uh, collateral, which is usually, um, uh, again, it depends on the lender, but with, without the collateral, it's just they're not even going to look at that because, you know, that's the way the capital operates. But you are spot on uh, about this, and... Um, they will look at that because it's it's purely when you when you look at this from the purely business point of view, the financial point of view. If you are the lender, and if you want the project to succeed, because they want the projects to succeed, they really do, um, uh, because everybody benefits, and not just financially. It's the contribution to the economic, to the infrastructure, uh, to yeah. you know, to to generally to to the humankind. Like we mentioned before, the shelter when when they are building actually real estate. Um, uh-huh. And so uh, it, it's just, you know, if they put in the money into something that is just unstable and may may uh, not produce results, that is just, that would be uh, going into waste. Um, oh. And these days in particular, um, I think, you know, I had a, I had a, an inquiry uh, from the uh, project owners, uh, again, without disclosing any details, the project was located in, um, uh, in, in one of the Russian territories. Um, and the project owners um, uh, themselves had uh, basically come, you know, uh, originate from this particular area. The project is brilliant. The project is brilliant. It would be absolutely, you know, a smooth ride with what they have and what they want to do because it's really nicely done. Uh, and, and, and you know, the, the, the roadmap for the project is there and, and it, would, it would contribute to uh, to the um, economic situation, but you know the the lender said no. The minute they saw wow. it with the location of the facilities of the manufacturing facilities, they said no. And it just happened. There was before the war with the Ukraine, where obviously uh, these connections come from. Like you know, you've got your connections. I've got my family connections and uh, and friendships uh, uh, across different areas of the globe, and that's where it came from. And um, uh, and um, maybe without uh, without the current situation in the uh, in the Ukraine, that they would look at it completely differently. But th- that was just literally that was just a very 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 short, quick response. That it was a flat no. So wow. yes. So do you then see then you know based on what you just said, do you do you see more capital deployment in a post post you know russia ukrainian conflict concentrated in that part of the world should they come to some sort of terms do you see a lot of capital going there or do you see the you know some measure of restraint like a wait and see approach mm. well so <laughs> Uh, I think um, I think it it really depends. I mean, um, the uh, thing that just got came came to my mind when you when you mentioned this, it was um, I think it was maybe maybe uh, five seven years ago when I had a conversation with the um, with the um, uh, there was the H- HSBC bank and a private private lending. So they focus on customers with uh, I believe. 
uh, 5 million and above, they served this group of customers. And uh, mm. we were having this conversation and it just, you know, um, uh, and he just mentioned that, that the situation that they had, and that's about, you know, uh, money laundering regulations, etc. because yeah. the, the situation that, that, that they had was that uh, basically a pool of investors from Russia uh, purchased one of the buildings in a prime central location in London. Um, and um, there was a, a few investors and um, within weeks, um, from um, uh, basically that purchase, you know, uh, all of the investors uh, except one um, were, uh, well, killed in various, you know, the situations. So um, that was the example of, you know, where the actually the, the um, uh, money which, you know, that uh, they end up ended up with, you know, owning the one of the key buildings on one of the key streets in London um, for a large sum of money. And that went into the hands that, you know, normally that, you know, that the bank wouldn't want to have them uh, or the society wouldn't want to have them because that's not the money which is, you know, um, given what happened to, to, the in, to the investors, right? Investors, we don't know if these people actually investors or what happened. But, uh, but um, what I want to say is that within this uh, area, um, and so, you know, I come from Poland, so we have that Poland and Russia has really long history. Um, uh, but, um, uh, you know, to my knowledge that, you know, within this area, you've got, I mean, I mean not just to my knowledge, that you've got the people like uh, Mr. Abramovich, and that, that's the really big, big money. Uh, and um, that's the money who's been deployed actually from Russia to the West. And that's why the West kind of wanted to regulate it, because it did happen to me at some point. I was probably two, three years ago when I got the inquiries from um, companies uh, serving those uh this particular area and um and the request was uh, literally just uh, so that i would take the whole responsibility find the investment but would never know who the investors are and the investors were the um, allegedly from the russian um, um, elites uh, government elites and obviously, you know, with this, this is something, this is a no-go because, you know, uh, uh, that is just um, uh, the returns and the profits of it were, were very attractive. But obviously, you know, knowing knowing these things that you need to be aware that, you know, you, you just become a target, and you know, to deliver on yeah. that and to work with some, with, with people, you don't even know who those people are. That is just... Um, uh, that, that, that is very, very unwise. Now, back to today, um, so, so there is a lot of money uh, that, you know, um, would, uh, um, uh, that, that the investors would want to move from this area to the West to other areas. And, that, and that's similar with China. I remember that um, uh, when I worked at uh, Barrett Homes, that, uh, that basically we had customers who wanted to take money out of China and to purchase properties. And, um, um, you know, that some of those purchases were basically, it's just like they were parking money. Some of the investors were parking money. The, uh, they didn't have any yield, any return of on those properties. Uh, they, they would buy the properties like the whole block of flats for 10 million or a villa for, for 2 million. That was in Cambridge, so that I'm talking the Cambridge prices from a few years ago. Um, but uh, still, if you just 
purchase a block of flats or if you purchase a villa and and it's standing there empty um it's it's literally it, it it's not doing anything apart from the fact that you have put the money in um yeah. and took it out from china to what is considered a safer location and london and, and the uk generally has always been perceived like that uh, and london in particular for the investors who um, are looking at the uh, for the luxury property or for the higher uh, higher end stock because it's 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 the safe investment. It's always been uh, perceived like that. So um, when it comes to capital, the capital that I work with, that's the capital from. Uh, you know, it, it, not from Russia. That that is, they don't work with that. None of the lenders. Um, I mean, they have you know probably a, a different different structures but um uh one of the lenders is one of the uh, uh biggest companies in china is china sure they've got really trillions to invest and then again it could be shaky these days so you know that my focus that where we uh come into play we focus on the uh, uh on the um uh, lenders who's been who've been who have been um uh, in place for for years and they've got the track records and you know and, and they've got the processes and systems you don't have this with the uh chinese pool of investors unless they are part of of the lender that i work with and, and i know that they are so um i don't think it's the this capital means uh things in this way or are we going to invest in russia on these areas um uh, I, I, I cannot really comment on that because they will look uh, because it will depend on the uh, generally on the global, you know, economics how mm -hmm. you know things are going to, um, um, you know, um, end up and then develop after the war. But so I don't think they are thinking about you know in terms of the long term because. Um, some of the lenders are going to be focused on specific areas and they will not consider other areas uh, and some of the lenders are going to be open and um but you know look look at the look at the at the government levels at the really uh, political um uh, official levels like you know the the pipeline that was basically built kind of you know germany and and russian collaboration the pipeline that was blew up uh, i forgot not not stream to right a, a few months yeah. ago so you know these projects you really cannot tell I, I i wouldn't be you know i don't have a crystal ball i can only tell you what they what they will look at right now and um within the current situation that 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 would be a flat no yeah so that's interesting because you know i spent many years in germany and one of the things that jumped out at me was there is a similarity in terms of london real estate and german mm -hmm. vineyard many of the vineyards in germany now are actually no longer owned by germans really so you have yeah a lot of chinese investors ah uh, yeah money into those vineyards it's interesting because i think i was in beijing um a few years back and there was a very very profound wine culture mm -hmm. and a lot of those wines are actually german wines so you see a lot of that investment going into non i mean it's still tied to real estate because the vineyard a vineyard you know yeah, is actually yeah. prime real estate and it holds value you know a lot longer than just a normal uh, uh you know apartment building or, 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 sure. or what have you so and that's leading me to my next 
point of discussion, which is, do you then believe that when infrastructure is deployed, regardless of where in the world, an investor is looking at their thesis going, okay, this may be a worthwhile investment, let's do that investment. Is it usually with a view to turn it over, whether it's to have another developer acquire that investment or because we want to increase value, right? So mm -hmm. are investors in infrastructure projects investing predominantly with a view to either get into an M&A acquisition sale with a view to an exit event or depending on their investment thesis, they do it with a view to adding value added to the community, to the economy, to the project for whatever social, cultural or moral reason that drives their thesis. Right. Uh, I think it's 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 a great point. And um, um, some of the some of the family, if you if you um, uh, look at the reports on the family offices, um, uh, and I forgot. I'm sorry, I forgot who issued that report. But that was a very nice overview. Uh, and it's, I believe that's the annual, uh, I think it was Samuels maybe, but it's the annual analysis analysis of, of you know, uh, what they invest into. And um, the some of these family offices, for example, will be looking at the projects like this where sustainability um, and the contribution is very, very important, whereas others will be still looking at, um, uh, okay, at the numbers. This is, this is the numbers, that's the situation, that's what we can expect. So, you know, the contribution in terms of, you know, contribution to um, to development, economic development, um, uh, that it plays uh, a part uh, for, uh, definitely plays the part for some investors. And um, um, from the projects that, uh, I have personally um, uh, looked at uh, for the lender. Um, I think some of those projects, some of those projects um, uh, contribute. I mean, most of those projects contribute, and for most of them, um, uh, at least those who uh, who like uh, are in this very small percentage of the projects that actually get to the application and then get the money deployed uh, after the DD, uh, the lender will be looking mostly at the numbers, but if it comes with this benefit uh, of uh, contributing, and that's kind of maybe, it might seem like it's the secondary, but the truth is that if they deploy money into a project that is not going to contribute, then, you know, that that is not going to be uh, the return. It's a little bit like what we talked earlier on uh, with, you know, uh, uh, project owners trying to push the idea and develop something that the market does not want so in a sense that view from the numbers point of view makes it um safe because there's a strict criteria that they look at uh that needs you know those boxes ticked and that ensures yeah. that this project is actually going to succeed whereas if you go and you know, if you go, if you if you got the money for the project that you know um, that does not tick all those boxes, that could create problems, because likely that is just not going to be possible to deliver it. And oftentimes, you know, that the project owners overlook this aspect, not just you know that do we have to collateral, but overlook this aspect and 
like you said, with this with these startups that they think, oh yeah, that's what we're gonna do, uh, and you know, rather than oh, what is needed, where's the gap, what can we fill yeah. in, where can we deliver? So this is kind of when you look, um, you, you will often hear that cap- capital is is greedy and capital is brutal, and uh, um, and this this might be just again the perception, but the truth is that the they look at the numbers and the number, numbers don't lie in a, in a, yeah. in a, in a sense. Part is yeah. truth. <laughs> mm-hmm. so, which is, so do you think the green movement, the sustain, I call them the green brigade, do mm-hmm. you think it's, it's now devolving into becoming, do you think the green movement have now been overrun by bullies and scammers? Because I find a lot of projects that have a lot of value, but you have these cities like, say, Amsterdam or even London just going through the permitting process, the bureaucracy alone to get through all of the green, you know, (laughs) look, I love sustainability, okay? But at the end of the day, there is a point where we have to go, wait a minute, you know, a salamander lives there doesn't mean we're going to render, you know, this whole area unusable. So do you think the green movement have become a hindrance to progress, especially in the Western world? Or do you think, despite the value they add, you know, they don't pose any risks at all? I think that's a that's a difficult question. I mean, you know, with, um, um, you have you will find um, you may come across bullies and um, and the likes, you know, anywhere anywhere literally in any area it's it's not kind of like confined to the one one area um but uh for the green projects i mean personally personally i think it's important because we need to have the collective responsibility for the planet um and um uh, because it, it it directly contributes contributes to our daily lives you know to of everyone on the planet and if we can make it sustainable and if we can make it green that's great um like for example i hear um uh, i don't have a car so you know i'm not commenting on that but but there's a lot of discussions i hear a lot of discussions about you know the electric cars being just you know the batteries that we drive and don't get me wrong, um, you know, my, my uncle has a Tesla and I absolutely love it. This is, a, it's, it's, the ride is superb. It's just like, it's, it's fantastic. I but had one past they, tense. There you go. <laughs> there you go. But, but I've heard just, you know, some of the discussions were just like, you know, these things are just, um, these cars are just the batteries. How are we going to utilize these batteries at some point? Yeah. So, you, you know, is it, is it actually um, contributing to the progress and, and, um, and the step forward? Is it actually creating another problem in the future? Right. Because right. they will need to be utilized like anything else. Like for me, um, uh, for me personally, uh, it's just when I look at the some of the um, household appliances that we have, like a washing machine these days, the, the washing machine is going to is designed to operate and run for some five years, maybe shorter, depend you know depending on on you know how often you use it, but but that's how they are designed most of the time. So you know, um, uh, personally, I. 
I don't like it because, uh, you know, if something is good that and, and can be used again and again, uh, and, you know, if you, if, you, if, if you have it in a good condition, that, you know, I don't want to have to necessarily go and buy another one just because it's just, hey, um, that's the end of my life. Yeah, you got to go and, and buy a new one because I'm aware that, okay, that's this one and, and it needs to be... Um, utilized so you know it, it needs to be you know recycled so you know there's just like we tend to create uh solutions with kind of with potentially with the problems sitting kind of at the back of this solution we don't yeah. see at the moment everybody's like yay wow fantastic and then you know a few years later it's just like oh okay that's another problem we got to resolve this one so you know it, it kind of my personal preference but then again you know I'm, I, I like the simple life you know it would be just to make things as simple as possible because you know simple scales if I have to just get a new washing machine every few years down 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 you know that what happens with the old ones right what is my uh foot footprint carbon carbon footprint and you know how much waste am I leaving behind do you know what I mean and it's yeah. just yeah so so <laughs> <laughs> I always say you can never scale what you can't simplify. That's yeah. a simple fact. Many projects I've been involved with, the successful ones didn't have mm -hmm. that problem. The, the ones that were, that were not successful yeah. have that problem. Again, if you can't simplify it, you will never scale it. And if you mm -hmm. can't scale it, you will never find your product market fit, period. Yeah. My experience with Tesla, one, the batteries... They are not biodegradable. Two, to make those vehicles, you have to burn through four or five times the fossil resources to make those things. Mm -hmm. Third, when you drive an electric car, you always have this anxiety because you're always looking at your battery life. You're always looking at it because at the back of your mind, it's like, okay, I don't want to run out of battery. It tells you 300 miles, but when you charge it, it's not, it's never what they tell you. So you add those three things, right? One, it's not biodegradable. Two, mm. it actually costs more fossil material to manufacture. And three, when I drive, I've got anxiety. Why would I want to put myself through that? It's mm. that simple, you know? So the other point I was going to bring up is, do you think the Western world, they are first world problems? And real world problems where we build vanity, solu vanity solutions to problems and then we take a big microphone right we build the solution first and then we'll take a microphone and scream about a problem that never really existed in order to create a market for the solution we just built and i use electric vehicles as an example <laughs> <laughs> I think, yeah, <laughs> I think, uh, again, it's probably the human nature, because when you look at history, that that's been a kind of, you know, part of the cycle uh, with the industrial revolution. That was just that's the progress there, yeah? because as human beings, you know, the, and, and um, we have the ability to develop and grow and and build and create things. And that's always been like that. And just, you know, the machine was invented and there you go. All of a sudden, you know, people became what? Not necessary, right? So um, well, I think we are currently in the 
in, in the middle of another revolution, and some people don't realize it, with, but with the IE being so omnipresent, where you can just basically, you know, do things uh, that uh, the creative process, say, for writing a blog, yeah. used to take, you have to process it, think about it, you know, you have to, and then you just chat, GDP, da-da-da, boom, and, yeah. and it's there. Um, and... Um, I think well, it's. Do you think, do, do you think within using, do you think the Western world, via quote unquote creativity, mm -hmm. right, is using technology to lower the cognitive load, thereby the net result we don't see is that as a species, starting with the Western world, we start to lose our higher cognitive abilities because we rely on machines. Take GPS, for example. Mm hmm. I, re I realized very recently, if I didn't have my phone on me, I felt like I was missing a kidney. <laughs> okay? When I was a kid, I could read a map. But now without the GPS, I don't know mm. how to get to the next town. And bit by bit, now with AI and chat GPT and all of that, we're further lowering our cognitive abilities because we rely on these machines. And those are first world problems. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, you're spot on. I mean, these things, but but I think it's very closely uh, linked generally to the lifestyle. Like you know, with the invention of light, all of a sudden your day became uh, as Wonder. you as you like it, right? Yeah. But so in so doing, we kind of we disconnected as humans. We disconnected disconnected from our biological clock, and so. I think it's really, uh, for me personally, it's really, it's really important. Just and, and I, I'm doing this on a on a daily basis for, for a number of years now, just to come back to the origin of me being uh, a biological organism. So I know that if I, uh, if I have a project and and I'm in the flow. And I've got the light, I've got my, you know, laptop, I've got my bits and pieces and, uh, and I can sit up to, I don't know, four o'clock in the morning. It's perfectly fine. Then I'm going to sleep, sleep longer. But what happens, what, what most of people don't know is that what happens that, you know, from this window, 11 p.m. to 6 a.m., if you have the expo exposure to artificial light, to the computer light, to the blue light, to uh, electricity, your body is actually uh, uh, taking the beating. So the first thing that I do, uh, and that's just, you know, I, ju I just follow the neuroscience and the, and the latest developments because I've been retraining my brain for a few years now. And um, this is a fascinating, fascinating thing because it kind of it brings us back to, you know, that's, that's the flesh, how to look up. Uh, after the flash right it's not like i have to just i have the ability to sit and watch netflix for the whole night i can do that yeah? yeah but i know that the next day if i if i'm exposed to the uh, artificial light then you know that my uh, cognitive ability my focus is is going to be different it's going to be lower and then on top of that if i wake up say you know i get my eight hours sleep i wake up say uh, i don't know 10 10 a.m uh, or 11 a.m. and the first thing I do is just to have my coffee that you know what I'm doing actually 
is just yeah i'm actually lowering it even even more without you know the, just the, such a simple things but you know for I, I will have a little bit of a kick for an hour and a half but you know that an hour and a half later you know all the receptors are going to be like no 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 and, and it's and i'm going going to be feeling down and um i think uh people just kind of ignore these things and this I suppose that's the price of the progress of, you know, all the developments of the technology advancement, everything that we've got around us. It makes us detached from, you know, how we were biologically designed to operate and function on a daily basis. And uh, I must say that for me, you know, I... Uh, I prefer, you know, the work till late at night, and, and it's okay for me to to get up later. Um, but at the same time, I've, I, I am fully aware that if I got up, say, at 7 a.m., where, you know, you've got the daylight, then my day is going to be different, yes? And so the, but, so the first thing that I do um, to make sure that I, um, uh, I have a good day on a, on a purely biological level, not just mentally and emotionally, but just, you know, um, so after my meditations, first thing, my meditations, which is like 20, 20 minutes, and then you just get dressed and you walk, go for a walk because, you know, that's the first thing that we should do, everybody, just to go outside, expose yourself to the daylight as soon as possible. Don't wait for, you know, three, four, five hours because that's going to be too late and you won't be able to sort of, you know, mitigate those late night sessions where you are actually exposed within this window from 11 to 6 a.m., you know, to the um, uh, to the artificial light. So, you know, it's it's just, I think I think it's, it's the human nature. It's been like this um, with any progress, any development that it, it brought... But it's like, you know, Ken Wilber, the philosopher, says, you know, if you draw a line like this, what do you have? Do you have just this side or do you have like two sides, what you have in here and what you have in here? Yeah. It's like with the magnet, you've got plus and you've got the minus, you know, the, what, one doesn't exist without the other. So yeah. we need to be aware that it's, it's, it's similar with the electric cars being, you know, that is such... Uh, uh, you know, that such an advancement, and you know, for someone like me, uh, who's not a skilled driver, that and that, but that's not the reason why I don't drive. Um, is you know, that car would be perfect because you know, it, uh, you know, everything is just done for me, right? But, um, at the same time, um, I think, and many drivers who, uh, who, um, uh, used to drive the manual cars they say that you know if you get into an automatic that is going to be like you 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 kind of like like you said you're missing the kidney or you're just like, like yeah, something's off. Yeah, so yeah. so yeah i think i think i think like with everything it's just you've got yeah. the plus and the minus so it's it's a matter of you know trying to so, sort of come to the neutral that's interesting because do you then think we are evolving you know because we went from homo erectus right yeah homo sapiens cognition societies and all that mm -hmm. and now with technology and machines we are slowly merging with it which what i call homo deus mm -hmm. where with technology artificial intelligence now you know people are getting implants you know trackers machine you know nanotech the slow merger between 
Homo sapiens in technology now evolving into Homo Deus, almost mm. quote unquote godlike. And do you think that's a potentially dangerous? Because given our history, right, humans we are just a naturally destructive species, right? If we're not destroying other things, we're destroying ourselves. Yeah. You know, and as a result of that, part of it is we give up our privacy. Part of it is we give up our personal data for access. So I think the overarching question is: Do you believe privacy and self-sovereignty are fundamental human rights? Uh, absolutely, but do we still have it? I think that's the question, which is kind of valid because you're going to have. Um, we, you, you are going to go for a walk with a friend. Like, you know, I had the situation that my brother-in-law came back from his run and he runs with a friend and they were talking about a product. Um, and uh, the, minute, the minute they uh, took their mobiles out and just checked the mobiles, the, the, the first thing they saw that they saw the advertisements of the very product. Of course. Right? So that the question is, do we really have it? I mean, last year when I was in Albania, it just uh, happened to meet uh, a very um, uh, young. Uh, um, uh, he was he was the a programmer uh, from France. We had we had a little chat, and I asked him this question. I said, and he said, "Well, we work for the uh, for the startup. They're doing the really really fantastic fantastic things. But you know, if we uh, with with other programmers, if we sat down and decided to do something that we wanted to do, without you know uh, telling the boss, we could just quite quite easily do that, and he would know. And I remember." Um, so we had a conversation. I said, you, uh, so, you, you know, it's, it's, you hear that when we are being watched by our mobiles or by the laptops or the, you know, appliances that we really, even when they are switched off, and is that true? And, and he went like, so here we go. So you know, there's been this um, there's been this um, um, a conflict between Apple because on Apple devices you can now just um, uh, have your privacy settings that you're not going to have the ads and so there was there was a, a big thing um, some time ago. So personally, the way I look at that is just um, uh, how reasonable um, uh, you know um, am I about this? You know, if I go to the sites which uh, could um, you know, create some risk of you know stealing my my data. Then again, really, um, what certainty do I have that this data is not there? It is there in a, in a number of databases. Every time you buy something, every time you give your data, just just um, uh, just like um, uh, yesterday, uh, because I no longer have a. Uh, um, a mobile service provider like you know like you get the actual sim card and you know from yeah. your mobile service provider for yeah. a few years now i am truly online so i only have the sim for data and i also have the application for the number that i used to have years and years ago so it's still the same uk number that i have but i have two apps that basically run on my mobile and, um, you know, just to renew one of those applications, you know, yesterday, uh, they, they do like a check from time to time. So I had to upload my uh, my passport because and then, you know, they, they take the, the, yeah, the, the shot on the face so that they can confirm I am who I am. You know, what happens to this data? If I don't do this, I lose my mobile, right? 
So, you know, there are situations like this on an, and I'm sure they are, you know, data protected, et cetera, et cetera, because they operate uh, globally. So, and it's a really, really good product. I'm very happy because, you know, every country I went to, you know, I could, I had the data for my mobile, no problems whatsoever. So, but, but, you know, this is the thing that, you know, we do these things. We are not even, uh, sometimes without even thinking because, okay, that's, that's the annual check. Okay. I got to do this. You, you, you go and you do this, right? And then maybe you, you might be thinking, oh, okay, but where did it actually go? So, so uh, in terms of uh, uh, progressing those things, it's, it's just like I, I, it's hardly avoidable within uh, the, um, uh, uh, within, you know, uh, the, the, the world that, that actually well, surrounds us. So are we really free then if everything we do is predicate on our data being compliant? with the institutions of state or private entities, are we really free if wow, that, that is consistent with what that they, is, they really should be? That is, that is a huge question. But I, but I would say um, freedom can also be personal. It could be, you know, something something else for 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 a different per people for different people it is it is a different thing um for me for example it, freedom is just the ability to travel anywhere anytime and just to stay and just be in different locations and and um, embrace different cultures yeah for someone else it might be having a home in in my home time when i was born and you know i want to be here that's my environment so you know it it, it it depends on how we define freedom, but uh, within what actually surrounds us, I think, are we really free? I, I don't know. I mean, honestly, I don't know, because, you know, if I'm sitting here and my mobile is listening to our conversation <laughs> and and it could be maybe that collected, the data could be collected somewhere if, if, if that's true that, you know, I, I, I don't know, honestly. So... So what advice would you give your teenage self? Uh, if I were a teenager now? Um, then. That's, I've never thought about this because you see, I, I cannot change the past, right? So, um, so it's, it's, well, no, I cannot change that. So, you know, I, I'm really here right now, right here at this very moment. I'm here in the present and I'm fully engaged in the present. You know, what I have ahead of me is tomorrow and maybe the day after that and, and, and so on and so on. Uh, but um, looking back, uh, I think, I think you know, that the bigger, bigger thing comes into this when people ask this question. For me personally, I... I don't think it's a valid question because number one, you cannot really change anything. You can only learn from your mistakes, but that's, you know, where you are. Um, and um, I think the focus is on now and tomorrow and what I, can, what I can get tomorrow, what I want now. Yeah. So, and if we look at the past mistakes, 
mistakes or failures and we just you know start beating ourselves oh that i shouldn't have done this or oh that was wrong oh it, it doesn't make sense because you know um, i would be doing myself a disservice and don't get me wrong that i had this mentality for years because i simply didn't know and you just kind of you know dwell on the past and uh, or sometimes sometimes you know there, there are people who will be just like oh i should have said this i should have said that about a situation that happened like maybe five minutes ago maybe maybe three days ago but in this way what are you doing you just let it affect you um and you know so i think you know okay let's learn from this and um, um okay that's not good that's good what was the purpose what was the reason for this to happen to me so that you know um uh, i can be where i am now and where i want to get tomorrow or you know 10 years from from yes, now I think, yeah so i think what you're saying then is you can do it looking forward the past you're never going to get back today yeah. is what you have tomorrow you can only plan for so i think do you then think as humans, we don't keep making the same mistakes because I see a lot of people who, in their teenage years, they did they they made certain quote unquote mistakes, right? But as adults, they make the same mistakes but mm -hmm. in a different way. So repeat repeatable mm -hmm. patterns, right? Mm -hmm. And that advice around okay, if I can advise my teenage self today, if I saw a teenage me today what counsel would i give okay i got it i got it i get you now so um really um the the advice that i would have given to myself you know that that's the advice that i have given to my niece and she's 14 and i i i gave her this advice um i think it was last year um start um um looking about you know because you know the patterns we we all but most of us run on autopilot we don't even know this because like you said we do the same things you know you just you drive to work experienced drivers they don't even think you know there's I, oh okay you just do it on autopilot and then you there at the destination you're like, oh okay i mean yeah yeah unless something happens in between right so yeah. if with the vast majority and that's what the neuroscience also teaches that you know that um uh, and proves that with the vast majority of things that we do in life we run on autopilot you know bob proctor was teaching about the uh the pattern of the subconscious that is basically sort of you know doing this subconscious basically uh, codes everything everything you see you hear it's there and and then you know the conscious mind was going to pull uh, the information like like in a computer that's going to pull the information that depending on the surroundings the circumstances that you know what's happening and you know it could be bad or, or, or good and so you know as humans i think if you become aware that uh you have the pattern the behavioral pattern the the uh pattern for you know for clothing for uh preference for food everything is learned you know up, up to you know the six years old we are creative and we just absorb everything as like like a sponge yeah and then when you know when when the um cognitive thinking starts and we kind of just like you know this 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 and that till the 18th 
uh, we are still creative and then we kind of, you know, become a little bit rigid. So, you know, if you stop learning at that point, stop learning and training your brain, you know, um, um, then, you know, then you, you create the problem for yourself because you just sort of, you know, you're going to be within this pattern, you know, doing the same things, you know, maybe slightly differently, maybe this way, but it's going to be the same. And so that's why um, brain retraining that is so important for me uh, uh, personally because um, I completely forgot it, uh, forgot about it at, at some point. And then I realized that we discovered it, um, um, I think it was uh, 2010. And so I've never stopped. I always look for the new way to develop and to grow and just to expand. Uh, and this is what I said to my niece, you know, um, I, I, I created for her like a like a like a little PDF, just, you know, three pages with the key messages that, you know, so yeah. what you focus on, you attract. Yeah. So it's a little bit like yeah. green light, green light. Yeah. Oh, it's red again. Oh, it's red. Oh, it's red again. Yeah. It, it's just like kind of, you know, they're very, very simple things because, you know, if you stay within your pattern and, you know, you, you will be thinking, oh, that, that's against me. That's wrong. That didn't happen. That, oh, I'm bad. I'm not good. It, it's just, you're just going to be reinforcing the old pattern. So, you know, that's my message to her was, um, you know, don't let the pattern keep you in place because you are a wonderful, creative, you know, uh, smart human being. And, you know, creative and, and, and smart, we, we are smart in so many different ways. As, as many human beings are, that there are, you know, that, that there's that many, you know, smart people because, you know, that we are smart and, and, and creative in different areas. So, you know, don't compare yourself and... Yeah you know just always grow you know always look for new things always just because if you if you are stuck in one place that's where you're going to have you you will see the people who are just like again and again so that's curious because you mentioned your niece and this advice you gave her mm -hmm. do you then think especially for young women today that social media tiktok insta all of this has created a much more difficult path because the neuro association of you know getting likes getting friends comments and all that has created this culture of instant gratification where the same fulfillment you get for interpersonal connections have now been translated into superficial online yeah. connections where you have people who would post or say anything just to get reactions from random strangers around the world right the same way in business where social media was oh we got 10,000 likes on this post but it's, did you get 10,000 new customers <laughs> you know so do you think it's created a much more dangerous situation where you have especially young women young vulnerable women are being pushed this false dopamine rush based on you know technological social media based artificial engagement versus human engagements which they sacrifice one for the other mm -hmm. well um i think it's an excellent point actually <laughs> you're gonna laugh but um my little niece well not that little but you know she's she's a uh, she's a, a creator on tiktok and um so she started uh, because she's very creative so she actually studies you know photography and and media 
Uh, and I think it's a fantastic path uh, for her because, you know, uh, if she was pushed into some other direction, like, you know, working with numbers, that, that she would be unhappy for the rest of her life. So this is where she can uh, bring her crea creativity and grow. And we can see that she's doing tremendously well. I haven't seen her TikTok account, but um, um, the, uh, what she told us, it's basically that she comments on um uh some uh some uh some movie series which is you know the the, the young people are just really really uh into uh and she just and it's her opinion on on that and this yeah. is how she, she kind of you know it's like you know she found a niche and yeah. she got the, the she got the organic response from the platform from the from the people on the platform so that i think wow. is fantastic so for her it's not so much about uh, getting the likes or, you know, I don't know how it actually started. She just told us at some point, you know, so... Uh, it's organic, uh, organic yeah. engagement and it yes. feeds. <laughs> Absolutely. But, you know, the, 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 um, my nephew, for example, he's the same age. They are a different generation. They, they, uh, they um, you know, they are kind of, you know, technology is the part of their lives. So they are in two different uh, parts of the country uh, and they still, you know, communicate or play together or just, you know, exchange. Um, so it's not like um, uh, she's got um, um, new friends from the followers. It's, it's not that much. It actually helped her a lot because she was bullied at school. Uh, that was uh, uh, that that was unfortunate, but that happened. And um, and then you know that uh, almost the last year of the school, uh, that very person, because TikTok was showing uh, was yeah. showing suggestion, that very person, that bully, saw her account, and then she came to her and she said, "Oh, I saw your uh, account and this and that, and you've got that and that amount of followers." And but she had a lot; she's got a lot of engagement and a lot of views because she's clearly doing a good job. That, yeah. that you know, the the young people her age like. So that was the positive thing because you know that for for us to tell her, okay, you know how to how you could potentially deal with the situation. I'm not there. I'm not going to yeah. go to school the next day and face this person and you know face you know all the comments and stuff like this so maybe there was a way for her to uh to do uh to to kind of you know move forward but looking at the kids it's like um in my family uh it's not like they uh i, I think it's more the people you know the or the the older generation or the or, or, or um that they need this kind of sort of you know to uh, um, the image of that that were maybe more susceptible to this that you know the following because we were sort of you know earlier before we were not exposed to that but then you know yeah. Google happened and they shortened our span like to this and then you just you know and so then you had the videos and now you've got the 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 short content short form content sure, yeah, yeah? Short, because you yeah, cannot sure. process any, everything <laughs> yeah so I don't think that at least for the kids that in my family that I I know I don't see uh, I don't see this as a replacement for real life connection for you mm. know uh, for for you know reaching out to people to their friends reaching us uh, reaching out to to us as the you know aunties or you know family members I don't see this as a replacement obviously I'm not privy to everything that they do online but um but you know, you hear those awful stories, and I think it's it comes back to the family and the people who are around you, 
and the friends and you know your um your self-worth and self-value and you know that there's this 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 very very famous uh, saying i think marisa pierce you know just um uh talks about it the psychologist that you know that people uh, uh oftentimes when in when they uh when they um uh, when they come from the family they may have this pattern of you know i'm not good enough or i'm not enough and i think it's huge because you know i also face that and i also you know um reworked through this but but you know we come from this baggage so so you know i think it's really about the family and the people around you uh, the friends, you know, you don't choose the family, but you can choose your friends, right? You exactly. know, the people you have the relations with. And um, and I think, you know, this is where it comes becomes so important. Like, you know, uh, um, um, some of the um, uh, trainers that, that, you know, I've studied, I, I forgot who, forgive me, but, you know, it's like there are people who, with whom you can spend uh, 30 seconds and you're just going to be like, enough, you know, three minutes. <laughs> That's it. Three hours. More yeah. Bonus. Okay. But no more. But th but then there are people with whom you can spend, you know, thirty days, you know, and 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 you know, thirty years, right? Yeah. So so this is this was another thing that I said to her. You you if you focus on those, you know, three three thirty seconds, yes, then you give them power to yeah. come and affect your life. If you focus on those, you know, 30 years and 30 days and those meaningful things that enrich you, then, you know, and you stop giving meaning to the, to the 32nd people, you know, you, you become empowered and you just, you know, it, they, they, they you become a little fuller. Yeah. Richer. Yeah. It's a richer experience. Yeah. So let me pivot for a second as an investor. Okay, in what way or ways has your work changed someone's life? Um, let me let me just um, you know I'll, I'll keep it simple. Like when I, I don't do flipping anymore, but I love flipping. This is this is fun. I absolutely love it because, and one of the reasons I love it is because you know you you find a excuse my French crappy house and you give it a new lease of life. And that is that is amazing because you know that it's going to stand there, it's going to contribute. So that's one thing that's going to contribute to someone's life. That is so simple. It's not just about, you know, okay, the numbers, the numbers work. That's a that's a good project. Let's crack on with that. But it's actually going to be there serving people. Very simple. I, I, I like you know keeping things simple. That's, that's, that's yeah. 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 That's impactful. And we talked earlier about the power of the home. You yes. Know, it takes something that's been beat and weathered down over the years and you breathe new life into it and you hand it off, you know, to someone else that's going to come in and build a life yes. on top of that, you know, yeah. and that then carries two, three, four generations, you know, through that. Exactly. And you can step back and you know, because I believe there is no greater sense of accomplishment than service to humanity, period. And something like that is the ultimate service because you've breathed life into something and you've handed it off to someone who's going to make a home, make a life and a legacy out of it. Absolutely. Which I believe is, you know, it's a very fantastic thing. So who was your favorite cartoon character when you were a kid? Oh my gosh! Um, 
there's so many <laughs> i had so many i absolutely love that because because um um but my favorite uh i think i think i think tom and jerry yeah probably <laughs> wow you know what's funny tom and jerry that was my favorite cartoon as a kid but i didn't realize that the soundtrack to tom and was all classical music and then as an adult when i got into the classics and i'm going wait a minute as a kid in my teens i started listening to mozart and i'm going that was all tom and jerry and mm -hmm. it never it didn't click and that mm -hmm. was how i realized that when this entire time i have listened to you know symphony i mean everything but mm -hmm. as a kid it was through tom and jerry <laughs> And that, that's that's the magic of it right because you know that that you can you can put in so many different elements that you know normally you would approach as separate classical music cartoon but then you fuse it and you've got something magical it's fantastic oh, yeah. wow mm. so for what for what in life do you feel most grateful uh health and family and the people around me that is that these two these two things i mean um it, it's just you know without health that you, that um no no money can can you know give you that um quality of life you know it's just yeah. it's just simple as that. that that that's just it and then i again without without friends and meaningful friendships and and um uh and family around you the people again who who are part of you know your world and you interact with and this enriches you and you can it's it's a two-way traffic where you can enrich them at the same time Th these are the things that i'm definitely most grateful for definitely interesting so what's your most treasured memory wow my, my most treasured memory that there's so many because you know you look you look uh, if you look back then you know there, there's so many but um i think you know i i enjoy the little things because um everyday things it's not like you know there's one big thing that one big thing that i used to have this mentality when when i finished the phd when i this when i this then i will be happy or or you know this or this or that happy and then it didn't happen and <laughs> and and um so so i really uh i really cherish these these little things like you know a good meal like you know i'm i make a good meal i'm i'm going to have a really great dinner because i made it just before our uh, our call and uh, and i'm glad that i put you know that i said okay i'm i'm going to spend you know this time to prepare it because i know it's going to be awesome so you know this this is just this little thing that little happiness that awaits for me um or you know having just this wonderful conversation right now you just what i want to uh um, do even more just do more of the things that make me happy and be more in the present because you know this is when i can enjoy things you know not in the past uh, you know that there are little things like you know the holding my little nephew for the first time when it's little tiny you know but now he's <laughs> seven and we just we just we love going for the trips together and you know, just the two of us you know and just all wow. around the park and everything and we have a really good relation uh, or my niece like you know that when when she was little or or now when we had this you know um 
some difficulties and, you know, you, ha- you have a conversation and you help her or, you know, or she, or she says something about TikTok and I'm like, oh, okay, I'm learning all the time. So it's just because that's my mentality. You know, you look at, the, at everyone, you can learn from uh, everyone. So just these things that, you know, this mentality just to be in the present and and um, it, it, it's not going to win, a, win the lottery. It's, you know, I'm going to have a good meal. Yeah, that's the that, little that's things. Simplicity. I mean, simplicity is a beautiful thing. You notice flowers, the colors, going for a walk, having just one yeah. glass of wine, you know, just, yeah. have, just the little things yeah. are so powerful. And it comes yeah. with growth. Because yeah. as we get older, we start to realize that, wait a minute, there's more to life than just money, 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 money. You know, it's interesting. Yeah. So my last question to you is, what does friendship mean to you? Friendship. I think... Um, Aside from going on people's podcasts, of course. <laughs> uh, I think I think it's it's, for me, it's all about the connection. It's, it's all about the connection. So, you know, no amount of social media uh, would be comparable to, you know, we have the connection. We have that connection. We had the good vibe since the first time we spoke on the phone. I remember that. And, yeah. and that brings me back to, you know, the 32nd people. And then, you know, there may be 30 days of, of 30 years people. Yeah. And, um, and that's what what really matters. And um, I had uh, an unfortunate event. I lost a friend recently, and it, 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 nothing sinister. It just you know that that things we started we started that project together, and I put in you know two hundred percent and more into this project, and my friend didn't. And so you know we had um, and in fact you know the, uh, it, it was quite the opposite. And so when I discovered that. Um, and I tried to bring this person on and on and on and just, you know, I kept dragging the project and, you know, the, my friend and I realized that's not going to work. And, you know, I made a, a, an error j- just, you know, uh, thinking of doing this project together. But, you know, so this is like, um, this is why I said to this person from the start, you know, please think about it. Do you really, really want to do this? Because you know me that I say, I am 100% in, you know me, that I'm going to be 100% in all the time. Do you have the same commitment? Because I value our friendship more than, you know, I wouldn't want to, I wouldn't want this end badly because of that project, which is unfortunately what happened. And so, you know, um, then it poses the question, was it really the friendship if it ended like this? But things like this happen. So, you know, I, I decided not to um, dwell upon it. I just accepted this. And and every time a situation like this happens where some negative, you know, you will worry about something. You will send them the negative energy because you worry yeah. about this person. So um, every time, you know, something like this happens, you know, you have to be realistic about the situation and take realistic steps, even if that's a friend. And maybe in particular, if that is a friend, because if, you're, if you don't do anything or don't tell them, uh, you know, your perspective, uh, then, yeah. you know, that you, you quite possibly are going to be doing a disservice to him. But, you know, what I do in the situation like this is um, what Sister Shivani teaches. It's just like, you know, you do what you need to do about the situation 
And then at the soul level, at the higher level, at your highest spirit level, you know, it's just what she teaches is, I'm sorry for what I had done to you in the past. I forgive you for what you did to me. Past is past. Our karmic account is over. I am sending you love and blessing. So, you know, it's just it's just like this. And I look at everybody in this way because um you know that, that many things may happen to you and and um um you know uh, many negative thoughts you know many negative energies may kind of stick to you so you know uh, just because you're passing and you might be vulnerable but i think it's good to maintain this healthy balance and and in particular in friendship if you don't have this platform where you can express yourself then perhaps that was not a friendship in the first place when i think thing like this happened and you still managed to you know get over this difficulty and reconcile the differences then that's something worthwhile but that brings us back to you know 30 seconds and you know and and 30 years so maybe we had a a shorter uh, you know term of this friendship i don't know (laughs) (laughs) wow that is awesome um Vieta, thank you, thank you, thank you so much, you know, for taking the time, you know, every time we interact. Um, this has been not only insightful, but it's been a long time coming for me. Um, and I'm very happy to call you a friend first among many. Um, and I hope we can definitely do this again uh, sometime soon. Um, and, I'm, you know, like I said, it took a while to organize this because I know you, you like to do your thing behind the scenes. You don't like attention and all of that. So thank you again. <laughs> for being open uh, to doing this with me it's my now, it's, it's been it's been an absolute pleasure thank you so much for having me here i'm just you know very grateful and it's it's, it's always is. always you know always always great to you know catch up with you always so happy <laughs> <laughs> fantastic 